0: Well, did you see that coming? I don't know about you. I definitely didn't see it coming. Yesterday's live broadcast. (laughs) Next thing you know, we do an hour of discussing and trying to figure something out about Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. And then we have what almost a two hour long broadcast still trying to figure out something about Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. A lot of time. Went into everything that happened yesterday, and we've got hours and hours to go to work on Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. So it was a crazy episode that is leading to now a mini series because we never know what's going to happen in these episodes. Now, I say all of that to say this it's day 27. We've made it to scripture number 27, and we're going to begin that discussion. Right now. It's Saturday afternoon, and this is the Theology Central Podcast coming to you live from Abilene, Texas, on this Saturday, July the 9th, 2022. It is currently 1:23 PM Central Time. Well, I don't know where today is going to go, because as I've already said, yesterday, I mean, I I didn't see that coming. That took a a, a very much an unexpected turn. I, but I can't have what. What I'm afraid of is it's af- well. If you don't know, welcome to our series, Thirty Scriptures in Thirty Days. You you should already know all of that. But we are looking at thirty different passages of scripture in thirty days because of a book written by Charles Stanley many many years ago called Thirty Life Principles, which turned into a Bible called the Life Principle Bible, turned into a study guide. And I've always had a problem with the book because he gives us principles. And he gives us passages of scripture from which these principles supposedly came from. And clearly there's a disconnect from the scriptures and the principles. Sometimes the scriptures completely contradict the principles. And we've talked about all of the issues with that. Probably the big lesson from this is how easy it is for you to come up with an idea, for you to come up with a principle, for you to come up with a concept or a thought, and you impose it on scripture, and then you convince yourself, no, it's right there, it's in the scripture, and you're like, no, that's not what that scripture says, but you can't see it, because I would have thought that someone in the editing process of the 30 Life Principles by Charles Stanley would have went to him and, like, "That, that scripture doesn't say that, it it says the opposite. But obviously, no one bothered to (laughs) say anything. But so there's a very important hermeneutical lesson in all of that. Don't impose things on the scripture. Allow the scriptures to give you the correct way to think. And it's such, you think that that's a simple uh, idea, but it's amazing how we blur those lines over over and over and over and over again. But we've been looking at these passages of scripture, all right? And each time We we don't really know what to expect because remember how I'm doing this. I I don't do any prep first because the goal is for you to kind of listen to the hermeneutical process play out in real time. So it always makes me a little nervous because when when I go live, I open the book and say, all right, here we go. We're going to work through this in real time. And yesterday, wow, that whole Philippians 3.10, what an absolute mess And so that led now, we've created a mini-series on Philippians 3.10. We've already done almost two hours of discussing, teaching, analyzing, critiquing. And we will go to, we'll probably do another two hours, probably here in the next hour or so, we'll start another live broadcast and start working on it again. So make sure you look for our series on Philippians 3.10 and start listening to everything. I think you'll find it to be beneficial. But we're not here to talk about yesterday. The only reason I'm mentioning yesterday is because yesterday t- took such an unexpected turn. I don't know what's getting ready to happen today, but we have made it to day 27, scripture number 27. We, we're almost at the end. We're right there. Everything in me says, you know what? You should just do like, you should do broadcast for day 27, 28, 29, 30. You should just finish it up today. You should just spend the next few hours Finishing them up, but I, the the original goal was basically one passage of scripture per day for thirty days in a row. We haven't missed a day, we haven't skipped a day, so I'm not going to just do them all now and finish it up in one day. But I, but there's a part of me that wants to be done because this series has been obviously very difficult, and my fear is this: if what happened yesterday happens again, save for day 27, day 28, day 29, and day 30, that would be four additional series that I would find myself in. That would be, I would be well over, I would be greatly overwhelmed. So I kind of just want to like, oh, let's just hurry through these and, and, and let me know I'm going to, whatever happens, happens. If it creates more series, it creates more series. But my job is to get us through this series so that you have benefited the most from it. And I have benefited from this process, no matter how nerve-wracking it has been. So are you ready? All right, I have open right here in front of me a copy of 30 Life Principles by Charles Stanley. I'm looking at principle number 27. Now remember, we give you the principle. We may we may talk about it for a few minutes. Then we set it aside. We go to the scripture and then see if there is a principle there, we just try to figure out what to do with the scripture. And many, mo- most of these scriptures he gives, they, they to me, the things are ripped so far out of context, it's created major, you know, interpretive problems. But that's part of the, that's I guess that that's the whole, kind of the goal of this program is working through hermeneutical issues, just doing it live on the air, which is a little nerve-wracking, at least for me. All right, here we go. Principle number 27, according to Charles Stanley. Prayer is life's greatest time saver. That's interesting. So according to Charles Stanley, if you look at life, you think of all the things that would save you time. If you can make a list of of 10 things that would save you the most amount of time in a day, Charles Stanley says, prayer is life's greatest time saver. The thing that will save you the most amount of time is prayer. Now, that may sound clever. That may sound cute. That may even sound ultra spiritual. I don't know how you can make said claim. I don't know exactly what he means by that. We will try to find out. We will at least allow the life principles book to try to explain it. But our focus right now, so we'll set that aside. Prayer is life's greatest time saver. You can you can debate that today. You can have you you can let me know what you think about that today. We'll set that aside for now. What we're focused on is what scripture does he point us to, supposedly from which this principle was derived? Well, I'm going to I'm just going to start with the Bi- the Bible closest to me because I have a stack of Bibles right here. I'm just going to start with this one, all right? So, I'm going to look up 2 Thessalonians 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 1. All right? Okay. I sometimes remember and and every <laughs> I have to laugh because every time I, I I get to this point in each episode, you can almost hear that kind of like uncertainty, that pause in my voice, because I'm I'm just I'm scared to death of what I'm going to read because I have no you know, I, I don't know, like, am I getting ready to read something and I'm just going to be looking at this going, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I'm live on the air. So I, I get nervous at this stage, but here we go. Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse one, uh, according to the translation I have here, it reads this way. In addition, all right, that's okay. Brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rap- rapidly and be honored just as it is what just as it was with you let me read that one more time second thessalonians chapter 3 verse 1 in addition brothers and sisters pray for us that the word of the lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you that okay what Let's go to a different translation. I don't know how this supposedly makes it life's greatest time saver, but okay. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. Um okay, that's 1 Thessalonians. I was like, that makes no sense. I'm like, man, you talk about a difference in translations. Okay. I'm like, that's the that's the that's the most different translation I've ever seen. All right, here we go. Uh 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. Now, I I know you're saying, but at least in the King James, hey, it doesn't end in a period. You have to keep reading. I understand. I understand that. But the the Life Principles book just gives us this. Now, we have to forget the principle, though. See, because I'm going to sit here and go, well, wait a minute. Does this have anything about prayer being life's greatest time saver? Not really. It doesn't really have anything to do with that. This is just Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he just says, brethren of, of those those believers at Thessalonica, he, he's asking them, pray for us. So pray for the apostles, pray for the spiritual leaders, that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it was with you. Hey, guys, the way you've responded to God's word, how you've accepted it, how it's had free course, how it's moved through you, and how um, the word of God was glorified by you, remember how it's worked in your presence? Pray for us that that will happen when we go and minister in other areas. Mm. This one, uh, the King James says, free course, Pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored, just as it was with you. Pray that the word the word of the Lord will spread, will have free course, will will work, go spread not only in the world but have free course and spread inside people who will receive it and they will glorify it as being the word of God. In other words, it will it will it will have free course, free reign. That people will will receive it and they will glorify it. So it, it's pretty. It's it's just pretty straightforward. I don't know. I don't know why he turns into this is somehow proved that it's life's greatest time saver. I I don't really know exactly how they're going to try to work that. We will read a little bit here just to see which direction they go. I I have a direction I want to go with this. Um. And I, I think, I think we can come up with a principle here. But I'm going to let the uh, 30 Life Principles book at least start us in a direction. I'm only going to let us, let them take us down a road just a little while, just so that we can kind of see what he was thinking. But I'm going to call that. I'm, I'm going to stop the car quickly and then take a detour on the road that I want it to go to. And I think it's a perfect place to go on a Saturday afternoon. I I think I have a direction I want this to go, all right? But are you ready? Let's see what they have to say, all right? Here we go. I quote from the 30 Life Principles book. You wake up knowing that you can't waste a second because there are so many demands on your life. Your heart and mind begin to race. There just isn't enough time to get it all done. That's what you tell yourself. There just isn't enough time to get it all done. As your feet hit the floor, you may be tempted to take off running so that you can engage the frenzy of activity that awaits you, but don't. You need to stop and pray. Of course, prayer may be one of those things that you've decided to sacrifice to squeeze a few more minutes into your day. You may think, I'm sorry, God, I just can't stop. However, understand that you cannot afford to leave God out of your planning. Life principle number 27 teaches prayer is life's greatest time saver. If you want to make the most of every moment, you must begin your day with the one who holds every second of your life in his hand. Now, That that seems to state the importance of prayer. I don't know if you can make a, can you make a claim that, hey, you may have a million things to do, but before you do any of them, you stop. And you give time to prayer because that will ultimately save you time. I, that, that seems very a very fleshly and pragmatic approach to it. I think that we could argue this. When you know you've got a million things to do, you realize you've got a, uh, all kinds of things happening in your life and you're going to be busy all day, that taking that time to pray helps you get a God-focused perspective before you enter into the frenzy, before you enter into the storm, because once you enter into the frenzy, once you enter into the storm of daily life, that life will distract you from being God focused and you will become Focused on everything around you. In other words, you won't be looking up. You're just going to be looking around. You're going to see the the responsibilities, the activities, the frustrations. You're you're just going to see all of that. But we have to start our day with placing our gaze upward so that we can enter into the storm with a God-centric focus. Now that I can, I don't know if, I don't know if uh, 2 Thessalonians 3.1 proves any of that, but I think that's an important principle that I'm not going to write this down because it doesn't come from the verse, but I think it's important in our life that we have to realize we've got a brief, I think, I think this is the way it works every single day and you may agree or disagree. I think the minute we wake up, we have a very short amount of time. Typically, depending on how your day typically works, but I think you have a very short amount of time to establish a God-centric perspective because if you don't like in that very short window, by the time you your, your feet hits the ground and you take off running, you take off going, getting ready, breakfast, driving, work, whatever. By the time you, the day is over, you, if you are honest, you've not even looked upward. You've not thought about God. You've not meditated on the things of God. You've been just focused on life and this. And all of your words and your comments and thoughts have been about all the things around you. You've got a very short window to start that day by saying, I'm gonna put my eyes upward. Now, yes, it's great if you can spend a quick time a little devotional, Bible study, Bible reading, listening to a sermon, listen, whatever you can do at the very beginning of the day, it's not, it's not some pragmatic thing. Oh, well, it's going to save me time or it's going to make everything work out. No, it just means that you've immediately placed your gaze upon God and you take that God-centric perspective into the rest of your day. And at least you have something, hopefully, maybe a scripture, something from a sermon, a devotional, whatever you had time to do. If you just give yourself just a few minutes of time, then maybe that's there in your mind and when... All, all of the distractions, you can recall something spiritual and in a sense look up. We've got to, we we spend so much time not looking up. And then everything becomes, well, we, we become more, how can we say, earthly minded than heavenly minded? We become more fleshly minded than spiritually minded. We become more, we start focusing on the wisdom of the earth and says the wisdom that comes from above. So I do agree with this idea that we're very busy, but we need to stop and give ourselves to us, not just to prayer, but to something we need to grab onto something spiritual that I can carry it with me throughout the day, something I can meditate on something. And you've got to figure out how to grab on it. If you have to wake up a few minutes early and it's hard to be disciplined to do that because, well, we think about what we want, like, Physically, I want a little bit more sleep. Physically, I want a little extra food. Physically, I want a little bit of extra time to just ease into my day. But spiritually, what we need is, I need the Word of God. I need prayer. I need I need spiritual food. So I, I think that that's establishing a very good principle. I just don't think it has anything to do with, well, the passage of Scripture given. Let's see what they do with this. It says, read 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 starting at verse 3. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm going to entertain this for a few minutes. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all towards each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you, in the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure which is manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you and to you who are troubled Rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified uh, in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Right, how far do they want me to read? So they, all, they want us to go all the way down to verse 12. So two more verses. Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling, and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness, and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you, and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, now, this is what they ask. What event is on Paul's mind as he writes the Thessalonians? Well, if you look at verse 7 through 10, that would be the return of Jesus Christ, right? Verse 7, And you who who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with the mighty angels. So what is on his mind is the second coming. All right? What is is Paul's prayer for the Thessalonian believers? Verse 11 and 12. um, Wherefore, also, we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of his calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified. He wants, well, God's continuing work in them that he may be glorified. All right? So none of this offers any much help here. Um, then it says to read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, all of these passages require, obviously, the the, the study guide is just ripping things out of context and just grabbing onto little small details. It's not offering any true exegetical study of any of this, but that's okay. We just want to see where, I just want to see where he's leading us because we're going to go in a different direction. But I'm just curious where... Remember, the whole claim is that prayer is the greatest time saver. They've done nothing to even try to demonstrate that. But okay, let's see what they do here. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposed and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped so that he is called God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, of course, this brings up so many views about eschatology. Just remember, Second Thessalonians is written before the temple is destroyed and there's been plenty of historical information in the writings of Josephus to say that there were people who basically entered into the temple, basically claiming to basically be like God. So a lot of this could have possibly been fulfilled somewhere between fifty six, fifty seven AD and 70 AD before the temple was destroyed. A lot of people immediately points this to some future event, but he could have been warning them about what was getting ready to happen pers- leading up to the destruction of the temple, where you had people basically entering into the temple, basically taking over, basically exalting themselves. And we, we went through all of this in previous studies. Second um, Thessalonians 2, 5 Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and and now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in this time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Now remember, some people believe this is not referring to what happened leading up to 70 AD, but it's referring to a future time when a temple will be rebuilt and then the person who will enter in will be the son of perdition, the Antichrist, And that the Holy Spirit is the one holding it back and the Holy Spirit will be removed and they will connect that with the rapture. There's lots of different systems of eschatology we could get into here, but all right. What they want us to see is how would the Thessalonians know that the day of Christ had arrived and they uh, are pointing to the things mentioned in verse three and four, the following away and the son of perdition being revealed who enters into the temple and basically makes himself out to be God. That's what they're pointing to. All right. Still not much help about the whole prayer thing. Uh, The church at Thessalonica was a young, thriving church that was composed mainly of Gentiles. However, increasing persecution and false teachers who were distorting the truth caused the Thessalonians to worry that they had missed the second coming of Christ. All right? I mean, they go through a lot of issues here. None of it about prayer. None of it about prayer. None of it. All right? So, the if you if you read everything in this study guide literally nothing literally nothing here it, i mean maybe at the end there's a little bit but they do nothing to actually prove the point so he gives a principle gives a scripture and then the study guide tries to add context to the scripture but does nothing to actually prove the point from which is which the scripture is supposed to be the source of it's very frustrating, and this happens constantly in this book. So we, I could, we could work through the rest of it. Very frustrating, and especially considering these chapters require, I mean, they've been discussed, and there's been so many views throughout 2,000 years of church history that we could work through. This is just a, a mess in what they do. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to forget everything. All right, I told you at some point I was just going to get down the road and then leave it. Let's go simply to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 1. All right? And I'm going I'm going to uh let's see. Uh let's see here. I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna focus on verse one. That's what I'm gonna do, all right? I was gonna think about maybe doing like an exegetical study, but that would go beyond the scope. Remember the 30 days and 30 scriptures, the goal here is to look at the scripture he gives and see what we can take from it. So let's just look at the verse. 2 Thessalonians 3, one. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified. Pray for us that God's word may have free course and be glorified. Now, I'm going to do something really quick. Let's go to the interlinear. I'm going to go to the interlinear and I'm going to pull up the interlinear here. And we're going to look at this. May have free course. May have free course. The Greek word that's translated may have free course is this Greek word. Strong's G, 5143, trecho, trecho. Trecho, if I, can, if I don't lose my voice, uh, tr- I'm just gonna say trecho, right? Because it's got that guttural sound, but you get it. Trecho, and it's used 20 times. It means run, or have course. Uh, it's translated run 19 times, have course one time. Um, it, Strong's definition is to run or to walk hastily, literally or figuratively, have course or run. It's outline of biblical usage, to run of a person in haste, of those who run in a race or course, of doctrinal ra- uh, of doctrine rapidly propagated, by a metaphor taken from runners in a race to exhort oneself, strive hard to spend one's strength in performing or attaining something. Word occurs in Greek writings denoting to incur extreme peril, which is requires the exhaustion of all one's effort to overcome. So basically, they pray, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course. It can just run rapidly, run everywhere, without basically being restrained or stopped. it would be effectual, it would be effective and it would spread. And that uh, that uh, it would be glorified. So the so we let's say it this way. Paul wants the people, at, the believers at Thessalonica to pray for him and the spiritual leaders that the preaching and teaching of God's word would basically have an effectual run, that spreads throughout many people. I'm, I'm going to, not just a region, but within people, right? It's one thing for the word of God to spread in a region, but it can spread in a region. And no, you're praying that it spreads in a region, it, but it spreads in people so that they ultimately, that it will be glorified, that the word of God will have an impact and it be glorified. That's a that's a pretty standard prayer, right? Lord, I pray, that the word of God being preached will have free course; it will run rapidly; it will spread; nothing will, you know, nothing will restrain it, and then it will be glorified. That's a that's a simple prayer, and it would be very easy to go, okay, got that, no big deal. Okay, just just stop the broadcast. We got it. Okay, there's not much here. No, I think there's something here that we really, 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 really need to think about, and I'm going to try to make it as practical as I can. And first I'm going to start with the local church. All right? I'm going to start with the local church. I'm opening my notebook here cuz we may try to formulate a principle here in a minute. So, I'm going to try to get to the right page, right? This would be a principle, this would be principle number 43. Sorry that I'm leaning away from the mic. But before we get to it, before we try to formulate it, I want you to think about this. I don't know if you have ever f- had these feelings. I don't know if you've ever had these thoughts, but I have these thoughts frequently on maybe a Wednesday or a Sunday, either morning or Sunday night. And I've, I've struggled with these feelings my whole pretty much Christian life. Every Sunday, people just all around the world, but I'll just speak specifically here in the United States of America, Lots of people will wake up tomorrow morning. They'll put on clothes, maybe their nicest clothes, maybe, maybe want to dress up a little bit, who knows, who knows what clothes they're going to wear, but they're going to get ready and they're going to drive to a church, an actual building, right? They're going to actually walk in and they're going to show up there and they're going to sit down to participate in the worship, the singing, the giving, whatever they're going to be, the teaching, they are there. And a lot of activity, a lot of words will be spoken, a lot of words will be sung, some words will be prayed, and a and a lot of activity will occur. And then, when it's all said and done, they will get back in their car, drive back home, take off their clothes, their their nice clothes, change into something more comfortable, have lunch, and then maybe go on without throughout their day. They may come back on Sunday night if if I mean. A lot of churches don't even do that anymore, but but they may come back on Sunday night. And if it's really crazy, they may go back on Wednesday. But a lot of times when I'm driving past churches, I'm driving past church after church after church after church, or I'll see maybe uh, some cars either getting ready to go, come into a church or pull out of a church, this feeling, this thought always enters into my mind. And it goes something like this. Now, now please don't... Huh. I know there's going to be a part of you that's going to be like, I cannot believe he just said that. How horrible. But I'm just going to tell you, a lot of times when I see it all, my thoughts are vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Or I could could paraphrase it or translate it a different way. Meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. All is meaningless. Meaningless. There's a part of me that feels like so much of what we do, having the buildings, all the money that goes into the buildings, and then the very little activity that actually takes place in these buildings that we pay for, sometimes I ask, what's really gained? When those people left church, what really happened in the preaching of God's word? Did, Did God's word really have free course? And was God's word glorified or was a sermon simply preached? Someone may remember it for five minutes. Most likely, I mean, there's too many statistics that tell us that usually, like if you preach something on Sunday morning, half of the church, even if they come back, are not even going to really remember what was preached. By Sunday night, they're not going to remember what was preached Sunday morning. By Wednesday, that number is about 60 to 70%. By the next week, I think the percentages are somewhere like 80 90%. They don't even remember what was preached. Don't even remember. And if you don't think so, just as a pastor, just stand up and start your sermon asking questions, letting the congregation answer and helping them give the review and see how little they know. They'll be like, "Uh well, uh well." And they look at you like almost like they're they're, they're they'll be looking at you like, "Well, how do you expect us to remember? I don't know. I maybe because it's church and it was the sermon, it was the word of God?" So much of what we do, sometimes you have to ask yourself, what are we doing? What are we really accomplishing? We got buildings. It's money that was required for it. We've got, in some cases, you're paying for a big staff. You're, you've got all of this stuff. And then you're like, what? And then, and then surveys come out, right? Most Christians are biblically illiterate. Most Christians are theologically illiterate. Most Christians know nothing about church history. And you're like, what, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? So I'm going to ask this very important. So I, I, I'm, I'm talking to people who go to church. So I, at least I have that feeling sometimes feeling like we're just wasting our time. We're just, we're just, it's a lot of sound and fury signifying nothing. It's a lot of shadow with no substance. It's a lot of action with that. And that's it. There's no, there's nothing going on. It's just a waste of absolute time. And I I feel that way way too much. Okay. And it's very frustrating. It's very frustrating. And I have a good church uh, situation. I I would take my church situation and compare it to almost 99% of the people I've ever heard tell their stories about their, them being a pastor in different churches. And those are nightmares compared to what I've went through. But even in my situation, sometimes I'm like, Why do I, do I, do I even really need to spend Saturday studying or or spending the week studying and preparing and going back over it on a Saturday? Because when I show up Sunday, no one's going to remember what I preached six days left. Nobody cares. It's just a show. I feel that way sometimes. Now, that's a reality. I don't think anyone can deny. So here's the question. Would anything change if every individual believer took time Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? Not Sunday, but all the days preceding it. That they would pray earnestly, that the word of the Lord would have free course and it would be glorified. That every Christian, every day of the week would pray, Lord, when the sermons are preached on Sunday, let the word of God have free course in my own life. In my own heart, in my own mind, and in all those around me, and let it be glorified in my life. Don't be worrying about everyone else, because a lot of times you have a tendency to pray, Lord, I hope that others, it will have a free reign. No, pray just for yourself. If you prayed all week, going, Lord, let the word of God have free course, free reign in my own life, that it would rapidly, in a sense, run through me, right? And that that I would glorify it, like the believers at Thessalonica did, right? That... It would happen in me. Don't worry about the church. Just you, because you at least arrived to church, maybe with a very God-centric focus, that what you're there for is for the Word of God to run a free course in you and through you, and that you would seek to be glorifying the Word of God and how you receive it and how you respond to it. How much? This is just an honest question. How much time, Monday through Saturday, do you spend praying for your church? For the preaching of God's word? When you show up on most Sunday mornings, how spiritually prepared are you? I see people stumbling into church. They're not even mentally prepared. They seem half asleep. They are. They seem more ready to get out of there so they can go have lunch because they didn't wake up in enough time to eat a decent breakfast. They do nothing in many cases to physically prepare themselves. They do nothing to mentally prepare themselves. And in many cases, they do nothing to spiritually prepare themselves. Now, yes, some people work overnight, so they come, the fact that they just show up is, is praise God. But I'm seeing the average person seems to take no actual responsibility to show up to the church in a spiritual condition ready for the preaching and teaching of God's word. I mean, at this point, we're having a hard enough time even getting people to to show up to church. Churches all across the country are talking about attendance problems, and I don't know what people think. Hey, I'll just stop going to church, and then there'll be sermons to listen to. Not if all the churches closed down, there won't be, okay? You've got to actually show up and support it, but that's a whole different story. Um, but I wonder if, if we, I, I don't think 2 Thessalonians 3, it, it's just giving us a historical fact, right? Paul is saying, hey, believers at Thessalonica, pray for us that the word of God would have free course and be glorified like it has in you. All right, great. Now, I can just see this as an example. Do I pray that way. Do I pray Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that my preaching would, the word of God would have free course and be glorified, and how I preach it, and it would have free course and free reign? In my mind, as a pastor, I'm going I'm to ask this question. I think I'm going I'm to make a, I know that what I'm about to say, I think most pastors would disagree with, but I'm going to say this. I think what I should pray for for first, oh, I think I'm going to get a lot of pushback on this. I think what I should pray for first, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, is not that the word of God would have free reign, free course in the congregation, but it would have free course and free reign in my mind, in my heart, in me, and that I would glorify God. So I think my first focus when I preach is the, preaching the word of God to me, that my study and my preaching has an impact on me. Not on, I think we always want, I think the pastor, I think it's all so many times, so much of preaching, depending on your kind of church and your theology, that it's always about what is the response, what is the response in the pew, right? Right. So in other words, I've already talked about some of my frustration feeling like meaningless, 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 right? So because nobody can remember the sermon. Well, that seemed like a waste of time, right? Nobody can even remember it. That's a waste of time. No, nobody told me that it was even a decent sermon. I mean, because there's plenty of times you barely get any, you know, word. Nobody ask any question. Basically, in some cases, you just like, well, nobody got anything from that. Some churches base the success of the sermon on how many people walk an aisle and say a prayer. Right? they base it off that kind of thing. I wonder that maybe pastors we should stop worrying about if our if the Word of God is successful and how we that our sermon was successful and maybe what we should focus on is did it have free reign free course in me and am I glorifying God in the way I have handled it and receiving it and applying it to me not to them if everyone falls asleep, If no one remembers it, if no one takes a note, if no one cares, if everyone walks past the pulpit at the end of the church service saying that was garbage, that was that was trash, you're garbage. I hate your preaching. If everyone, if they walk out spitting at you, who cares? The question is, did the Word of God have free course in me? And it's so easy as a preacher to worry about the external signs of success. Did they like it? Or did they seem excited? How many, do they? Did the visitors come back the following Sunday? We worry so much about that. Maybe we should be worried about it in a different way. Maybe if the members of the church were worried about praying that the word of God would have free reign, free course in them, and that they would glorify it, and if the pastor was worried about the word of God having free course, and he glorified, if everyone was focused on praying that the word of God would do a work in them, and nobody was worried about anything external of to them, I, th- would, well, I wonder if when we left churches on Sunday or a Wednesday, I wonder if it would be more than meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. How about your favorite theology or Christian podcast? How much time do you spend praying that that broadcast, that the word of God would, from that broadcast, that the word of God would have free reign, free course, wherever it goes around the world via the internet? And that people would glorify. But before you even do that, you should say every, whatever your favorite Christian podcast or whatever podcast that you listen to all the time. And I'm not just saying this for my own selfish reason, because I don't, it's not even about praying for me. You should pray that whenever I listen to that broadcast, what I want most is that the word of God that is preached and taught in that podcast would have free reign in me and that I would glorify it. Not, not me, speaking of me, speaking of yourself. How much time do you pray for that broadcast that you listen to, that the word of God would have free reign in you and that you would glorify God's word? I wonder if we've lost a God-centric view on this. I'm going to read it again. I'm going to go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I keep switching Bibles. You get used to where something is in one Bible and then you go to another one. I got, I got a stack. I got all over the place right here. All right, right, Second Thessalonians chapter three. Finally, brethren, pray for us. So Paul is like, hey, believers at Thessalonica, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for all men have not faith. All right, so there's a second part of this prayer, but we're only looking at that first part. Two things, that it will have free course and it would be glorified. Do you pray that way for your church? And if you're a pastor or if you're a Sunday school teacher, typically our prayer is, Lord, use my Sunday school lesson. Lord, use my sermon. But we almost always say, use it for everyone else, that they will be convicted, that they will be, they will learn. No, how about stop praying about that? Lord, I'm going to teach Sunday school tomorrow. Let what I teach have free reign in me. Let me glorify it by how I receive it, how I listen to it. it, it who can, you know how meaningless it is if all I do is prepare a sermon so that I preach to others, hoping that others will get something from it. It's not a, my focus is just preaching a sermon for others. I, I need to that, that sermon needs to start its work in me first. I think I think we're I think I think we have in a complete. Can I art Can I say this? I think we have a me-centric, fleshly-centric view of church. And when you have a me or fleshly-centric view of church, church becomes meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. It's, it's activity signifying nothing. It's useless. It's worthless. There's no value in it. It's a waste of money to even pay for the rent. It's a waste of money to leave the lights on. We have to show up in a God centric view, which, Lord, it's Monday, but I pray for the services on Sunday, Lord, that the word of God will have free reign in me and that I will glorify it. And then you. Start preparing yourself Saturday afternoon for church on Sunday so you show up spiritually prepared. The preacher needs to be praying, let this sermon have free reign in me. Every time I sit behind this microphone, what am I more worried about? Do I reach over here? I can do it really quick. Do I reach over here? Let me look here real quick. I'll look over here. We could do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, hang on. All right, I'm gonna go to our podcast hosting site. All right. Okay, we're up 56%. We've had 9,312 listens today. Woo-hoo, all right. yeah. We're up 56%, baby. Yeah, the minute I think that way, which I'm guilty of, no, it should be like, hey, all of those hours you sit in front of the microphone. I pray that, that that everything I preach and teach, that it has free reign in me. That I glorify it and how I receive it. Not how many people are listening to it, how many emails I get saying, wonderful. Now, yes, it's always encouraging and I'm grateful. Every time someone sends me an email or a comment, you, I'm so thankful. The other day, um, I think it was last Sunday, it may have been the Sunday before, one of uh, someone who uh, one of the college students in her church, she uh, she had to go uh, to some like camp for her uh, Christian university, and she was just talking about the preaching, and she started thanking me uh, for my preaching and my teaching, and it made me feel very good, and I, I was very grateful for the comment, and it, it stuck with me all week, and it just made me happy, and I, I was very 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 grateful that she took the time to tell me hey, thank you for your preaching and teaching. It's really helped me. Uh, You're just like, whoo, whoo. whoo." It's like like I'm not even touching the ground. And I'm like, I'm going to go home and read more. I'm going to go home and study more. It's amazing how a little bit of encouragement will do that, right? So I'm always grateful for every comment, every email, however people message me. But what I have to do is stop worrying about that and go, but wait a minute. Did the preaching impact me? Did my podcast impact me? So I can look here and go, man, we're up 56%. Man, we're we're doing good. We're at 9,000 today. I don't know how many we're going to get to by the end of the day. That's good. Oh, I could do this. I could go over here, and I could click on this and go, okay, well, we got a, we got a couple of people listening to the live webcast on, on one platform. I don't know about all the, okay, the numbers are a little down. Well, man, that's not good. Man. Okay, what what can I do to increase those numbers? What can I do to increase those numbers? Now, there's nothing wrong with being a Christian podcaster, wanting your podcast on every platform, trying to reach as many people as possible. But before long, that becomes the focus. Numbers, streams, downloads, shares, emails, comments, YouTube comments. It, it becomes on all the different platforms we're on. It becomes about that. Okay, great. And there's, look, there was the other day, I don't even remember what the number was. It was some astronomical number that we had never, it was like 30,000 in a day. It was some crazy number. I'm like, wow, how did we do that? But then I realized, once again, I'm putting the focus on that. Stop it. This passage in 2 Thessalonians is making me think, Paul is saying, guys, pray for us that the word of God a free course and be glorified like it was in you. That's the focus I need to have. Not, not for you. Listen, in other words, I talk to myself. Hey, you pray that your teaching, whether on podcast or from a pulpit, wherever you're preaching, wherever you're teaching, that the word of God will have free reign inside of yourself, not before in other people, in yourself first right i know that's a little different than what paul is asking for but i just think that this is this is where it has to start if every person has this mindset that we pray first and foremost that it has free reign in us now yes obviously paul would allow for us to pray that it has free reign in everyone else clearly that's a right clearly that's acceptable clearly that's the primary teaching here i don't want to to i don't want to create a principle that's opposed to the text as well I just think that it has to start with a self-focused first that I want God's word to have a free reign in me when I preach or teach or when I sit in front of this microphone. I want God's word to have a free reign. And when you go to church or when you listen, you want God's word to have free reign in you and that we would glorify God's word in the way we receive it and apply it. But at the, So after we've prayed for ourselves, then we turn and pray for church. Lord, I pray tomorrow that God's word would have free reign after you've prayed for yourself and everyone else who hears it, whether on the internet or whether in person. That would give us a much more a God-centric view. I think church, so much of Christianity is reduced to very fleshly concepts, very much more pragmatic, fleshly, almost performance than than anything spiritual, it's so it's shallow, it's surface, it's fig leaves. I, I think through, I think we're on to something here, or at least I think you may not think I am. I think we're on to something again. Let me read it again. Second Thessalonians chapter three verse one. I know this is completely contrary to the principle that Charles Stanley gave, but I think his principle has nothing to do with the scripture. I, I'm, I'm I'm trying to connect my principle to the scripture. Finally, my brethren, pray. For us, that the word of the Lord may may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. I'm going to try to formulate a principle here. I'm going to try to formulate a principle here. All right, this will be principle number 43, 43, if you've been with us. Number one, if this is your first time ever listening to this series, 30 Scriptures in 30 Days. We, we uh, Charles Stanley gave us 30 princi- principles. Most of his principles don't even come from the scriptures that supposedly these are derived from. But we've come to come up with 42 that we think are come from the scriptures if we understand the scriptures in a correct way. So I've got to word this one just correct. I'm going to say we must constantly pray first that—we must constantly pray first that the Word of God would have free course— And be glorified in us. Then we pray the same for others. All right. Now that doesn't that doesn't capture everything we've talked about. But it tries to capture everything in this verse to some level. So we must continually pray. This is not a one time thing. We must continually pray first that the word of God would have free course and be glorified in us. Then we pray that, the, and then we pray the same for others. Every day, I don't care before you. Do anything, anything, before you read a Bible, memorize scripture, before you listen to a devotional, to a sermon. Lord, please let the word of God have free reign, free course in me, in my thinking, in my heart, in every aspect of me, right? And let me glorify it in how I receive it and, and, and handle it and apply it and try to live according to it right? Then if I'm getting ready to listen to a Christian podcast, I pray the same thing for me. If I get ready to go to church, I pray the same thing. And then the second prayer is, Lord, I let that, please let that, the word of God going forth from that podcast have free reign, that it will, it will spread rapidly throughout the world and through and in people and people would, would be glorify it. And then for your church. So, but you always start the prayer with yourself first, first, When you look at your life, does the word of God have free reign, free course in you? And is the word of God glorified by your reception of it, your reverence to it, and your application of it? There, we'll stop there. 2 Thessalonians three one was the scripture for day, today is today, day 27 of our study, right? Day 27, making sure I don't give you the wrong number, because there's been a lot of these so far. Day 27, yes, day 27, scripture number 27, day 27, day 27, scripture number 27. And our ongoing series, 30 scriptures in 30 days. All of the series can be found right there in the Church One app. That's Church O-N-E, Church O-N-E. Download the app, it's free, Apple or Apple. Apple Apple or Apple, Apple or Android, and once you download it, just do a search for Theology Central, choose us as your uh, selected broadcaster, and it becomes the Theology Central app. Look for series, look for either series or podcast, you'll find it, and just uh, the uh, 30, 30 scriptures in 30 days, and you can listen to all of these, but our principle for today that we came up with is we must constantly, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday, pray first that the word of God would have free course and be glorified in us, then we pray the same for others. And that is a prayer that everyone from the pastor to the Sunday school teacher, no matter if, who what grade you're teaching, this should be our attitude, and it would give us a more God-centric perspective than a fleshly, earthly one. All right, thanks for listening. If you have any comments, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Sorry if you heard pencils rolling all over the place. Don't know what that all sounds like on the uh, the microphone. I have way too many pencils here, right? So sometimes they just kind of start this. Can you hear that? So like if I'm talking, what? I don't know. I don't know what that sounds like, but yeah, I apologize for that. Yeah, that not professional. Yeah, I, I'm gonna lose my broadcast broadcast license and be r- removed from the, I don't know, the the company of professional broadcasters, and I'm just gonna be sent back to the ranks of the amateurs. Okay, but no, I uh I always want things to sound professional. But all right, thank you. See, once again, see what my focus is on the wrong thing. See? See what I just did? I turned to focus on, oh, I wonder if they heard that sound and didn't know what that was, I said, of, I hope that this principle from 2 Thessalonians 3.1, I hope it would have free course in every, see, I, I, once again, uh, all right, <laughs> no, no, someone just said, I'm glad to see you admit pencils are the issue. No, I did not say pencils were the issue. I said I was the issue. Pencils can never be the issue because they don't have a sinful nature. But people who make comments that are not nice, they're the issue. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Pencils are not the issue, all right? Pencils are the way everything should be done if it's spiritual, all right? Okay. It's an ongoing joke if you're new to this broadcast. My insistence that everything should be written in pencil, all right? But okay. Okay. That wasn't the point, but okay, thank you for doing that, that, because it is kind of funny. All right. I hope that was beneficial. I kind of like this one a little bit. I kind of like this one a little bit. But you may may feel like I wasn't true to the text. You can let me know. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. We'll take a little break, and then we'll be back for Philippians 3.10. Yeah, I'm not excited about that, but we have to we have to push through to finish that series as well. So we'll give it a little break and we'll be back. Thanks for listening. God bless.